0: The Confluence Story Gathering Podcast is a production of Confluence, a community-supported nonprofit that connects people to the history, living cultures, and ecology of the Columbia River system. Find us at confluenceproject.org.
1: My parents and my oldest brother were the last nesperses to see the north fork of the clearwater river before it was inundated by the dorshack dam that's my family's traditional place and we're still here
0: welcome to the confluence story gathering podcast indigenous voices of the columbia river i'm colin fogarty executive director of confluence story gathering has two meanings we gather together and we gather stories In this episode, we're going to hear from James Holt. He's a member of the Nez Perce tribe and has spent many years working to restore habitat along the Columbia River and in his native homelands in Oregon and Idaho. James is one of several tribal members who spoke at an event held during the 2019 Vanport Mosaic Festival in Portland, Oregon. Vanport was the site of a devastating flood in the 1940s that displaced 17,000 Portlanders. James is going to introduce himself as Executive Director of the Confluence Environmental Center, which is a separate nonprofit from our organization, Confluence. Here's James.
1: My name is James Holt. I'm a Nespers tribal member, currently the Executive Director with the Confluence Environmental Center. My background is in tribal public policy, working on public lands, complex uh, environmental issues as well as just having that founding in our traditional life ways and being able to um, you know, walk forward in this world as an indigenous person. We talk about these life ways, about the importance of water and the different foods that we have and the different orders that we um, eat them and how we um, give thanks for them in our lives. As indigenous people, we hear this often referenced as a, a pastime or an ancestry or a, an old way. When really, you know, we're still here. We've never left. And so we don't forget all this stuff. You know, we, we have this history to the land. You know, today in history, we got the right to become citizens as indigenous people. I think that was in the 1924, I want to say, June 2nd. And so, you know, this this day has significance to us because it took that long for us to be identified as an American even though we're the indigenous peoples of this land. So we have this history, you know, that we can share in some of the hardships that Vanport signifies. You know, the things that we try to do on the landscape today, you know, when, when we store these watersheds, it's not just going and and putting in rip or trying to help a beaver come back or hoping an eel shows back up. You know, these are a very sacred relationship to us, and it's something that we hold dearly in our hearts when it's just, the planning of a plant. I get to do these things all the time in my job. I get to restore wetlands. I get to pull invasive species. I get to see coho come back to a stream where it was channelized and created to a concrete thing. And now we're undoing that. We're seeing that we can be more consistent with the land. A lot of the ways that we're doing this is by honoring this indigenous community that we have here. So when I talk about the life ways, I'm trying to talk about what's here now, what's here today. There's a vibrant community that exists here. There's 40 to 60,000 indigenous people in this community from hundreds of different tribes. We have a very rich cultural and tradition that we offer all of you. Before I came back from Idaho a few weekends ago, I was talking to one of my elders, and he began talking to me about going to the channel, telling me about this little hole called the channel that only jacks ran up. mean it was a place where you can get jacks and eels. And so he's talking about all this knowledge that he had of different places of Celilo Falls before it was inundated and how he would use it as a boy. And so it was amazing to me to have his knowledge and then to fast forward into life and to hear that passion in his voice, anger, when he was taken off a boat for the last time. Sorry, uncle. Sorry, elder. You're finally too old. You know, we're concerned about you. It's best you stay on the shore now. That was a difficult day for him. You know, so we have that kind of history still that here, here today. You know, we have our storytellers. We have those that hold these traditions. You know, we link them to the youth today. Something that I do personally, I've, I've hosted many fish camps teaching my youth the traditional ways whether it's with a gaff pole, with a dip net, with a gill net, with a hook and line. There's so many different ways that we have yet to teach our children how to subsist and how to go about that with ceremony. So even though we utilize these contemporary methods, we still also utilize our cultural and traditional historic teachings. Nothing has changed. And that's something that um, if you go to any of our religious leaders, they'll tell you that. And we hear that from other ways of belief, too, that, you know, something stays pure and it stays unchanged so that if you go through time, it'll be heard and said in the way that it was hundreds of years ago. So we keep that purity with how we live today. From the times of Coyote, when he dug out the Salilo Falls, when he helped bring salmon back, he gave us this Sacred thing and we accepted it in a sacred way and so we have a sacred relationship with it with the land with the place My elder talked to me about a time when I was a young man and I had forgotten all about it and I felt bad because he Went in depth and he broke down this four-day time that I had on the snake river far upstream And all these sacred think knowledge that he shared with me that day. I remembered that part but I didn't remember a lot of the other day-to-day mundane things that I had considered, them, and they were very important. And And so we, keep, we take that kind of teaching, and we pass it down, we give it to the youth, and we can do that together. And we do that, and so when I think about these life ways, it reminds me of all that. We're still in your communities. And I think that's a big thing when we talk about what can be given to us so that we can love that thing in that way, and maybe we can share it with others.
0: You're listening to James Holt, Executive Director of the Confluence Environmental Center, talking about tribal lifeways. He was speaking at a Confluence story gathering in Portland, Oregon. In the second part of the evening, the stories turned to the theme of resilience, and James shared how the Nez Perce tribe has managed to endure, despite forced detentions and losing sacred fishing sites.
1: Again, here's James. Earth Day. The Nez Perces had a memorial over at Fort Vancouver called the Red Heart Memorial. And it, it's there because during the Nez Perce War, a whole band of Nez Perces was mistaken for being involved with the war when they weren't. So they're sent into exile. And so every uh, man, woman, and child were imprisoned over at Fort Vancouver. And uh, one of our children died there. So every year we go back and we have a ceremony, a memorial to help us heal just a little bit from, you know, this past, this history that we have. Many things that we do in this world today begin in that way because of that, that trauma that we have you know it's a very real thing when we discuss intergenerational trauma and those things that have impacted us in the past we did have children that had ptsd from war we have you know the same types of trauma that come up today as a result of federal indian policy from the termination era the assimilation era self determination all these federal Indian policies, all these eras had an impact on the indigenous peoples of this country. Um, throughout time, we can say how trauma after trauma has been laid upon us, and yet here we are, we're still here. We're still holding ceremony across the river on Earth Day. My parents and my oldest brother were the last nest purses to see the North Fork of the Clearwater River before it was inundated by the Dorshack Dam. That's my family's traditional place. And so they went there as the door shack was filling that pool to see those long meadows and that beautiful salmon stillhead habitat, that elk, you know, those traditional village sites, all these things for the last time. And we're still here. You know, today, many salmon runs are still here because of the work of tribes, the Intertribal Fish Commission, the individual tribes themselves. Taking it upon themselves to have this sacred responsibility to speak for the salmon, knowing that it's not just tribal people who will fish those fish when they come back as adults, knowing they're not the only ones who will benefit off of our efforts. And so I, I think of resiliency, and I, I, you know, I can't help but think of that ceremony that we had, or I think about my brother. You know, being the last one as a baby, a little baby in diapers, watching that North Fork inundate our homelands. We saw that in my my time. My homeland is gone now. We have this intergenerational trauma that we are now trying to heal. How much can we do? You know, we have this climate change planning. I've led many efforts for climate change planning, utilizing traditional ecological knowledge. And at the same time, some of that knowledge we have to Look at twice. We have to wonder if it's still applicable because things are changing so much. Huckleberries a few years ago were ready in mid-June, weeks, a month you know, ahead of time. And if you were there, when they were traditionally there, you saw nothing but burnt branches. The berries were gone. So things are changing. You know, The, the subalpine ecosystems at the top of the mountains in our homelands, at the top of the bitter roots, they're in their death throes it's unfortunate so I I take my children there to the seven devil's mountains and I show them all the plants and I show them the insects that are there and I wonder will they be there for their children will my unborn grandchildren see those things and so I have to show my children and teach them everything I can to build that resilience into their lives that hopefully that this this knowledge that we carry about this land can be passed on to those and that time of of prophecy is now it is the children of the rainbow who are coming together to speak as of one voice in for the needs of our children collectively so it's really important that we understand what resilience is and how it impacts all of our lives and to understand those frontline communities are right here in the middle of Portland and we have a job to do for them as well you know and we have a voice and we can utilize it to help those people that live in our communities.
0: That was James Holt, Executive Director of the Confluence Environmental Center, speaking at a Confluence story gathering in Portland, Oregon. To learn more about James and his work, go to confluencecenter.org. A special thanks to the Vanport Mosaic Festival for including our storytellers in the 2019 festival. To find out more about Confluence and the five completed sites along the Columbia River system, check our website, which is confluenceproject.org. Remember, Confluence is a community-supported nonprofit. We can only do this work because of the generous support from the Friends of Confluence. That's you. You can join us today. Thanks for listening to the Confluence Story Gathering Podcast.